Welcome to the Social Impact Pulse, a podcast where we aim to cultivate intimate conversations with entrepreneurs working at the intersection of the sustainable livelihoods and lifestyle sectors. Each episode is a no-filter conversation with entrepreneurs where we dig deep into the values they hold dear and how that molds and shapes the social impact they strive for through their organizations. In this episode, we are joined by Lucy Ashman and Maria Westfried of Tierra and Lava, a natural skincare brand based out of Antigua, Guatemala. Highlights from the conversation include the story behind the brand's name and how the surrounding natural resources serves as a source of inspiration, the excitement and enthusiasm working with natural ingredients, the dreams to make the brand an employee-owned organization and create flagship destination spa retreats, and the struggles and trade-offs of being a small brand. On with the show. Hello, I'm Maria Westfried. I live in Antigua, Guatemala, and I have the distinct privilege of helping Lucy Ashman bring her business, Tierra and Lava, Conscious Care with Mayan Wisdom, to life. I actually love to work with triple bottom line businesses that support the Central American region. And I found Lucy because we were um, friends first. We had small children who are now six, the same age. And I was looking for an amazing diaper cream. And I tried many natural brands. And when I tried Lucy's, that was it. I was sold. And my next goal was to figure out how to bring this to the rest of the world. Good morning. My name is Lucy Ashman. I also live in Antigua, Guatemala, and I'm the founder of Tierra and Lava. I came to be in Antigua through a rather roundabout way. I actually spent 12 years growing up in Belize, which is kind of the neighboring country to Guatemala, and returned to England for about 10 years. And I always plan to go back to Belize because in Belize, there's what's kind of known as brain drain, which is where everybody who has the opportunity to leave and further their education or opportunities does so. And most of them don't go back. So it was always my intention to go back and see what I could do to make it um, a better place. Upon being in Belize, I actually was working in the tourism industry as well. And while I was growing up in Belize anyway, I was always fascinated by the, you know, by the natural world, by plants and things. I remember when I was six making potions and out of plants and just being absolutely fascinated by all of the types of things that um, could be done. I actually met my husband in Belize and he lived in Antigua and that was how I actually ended up being introduced into Antigua. And of course, I used to know Guatemala already because being a neighboring country would already visit. But getting to know Antigua and being in the tourism industry, because that's what my my degree was in, I traveled around a lot. I worked in tourism in Antigua. I met a lot of people, local people and communities around the area. And I became kind of fascinated and obsessed with the idea of making natural skincare. I've always been a huge lover of toiletries. And so to me, it was about finding ways to make something natural that you can put on your skin. I'm also a qualified nutritionist. So to me, it was all about the holistic side of things. What's good for you on the inside is most of the time also good or has similar properties that can affect the external um, side of you. So it's all about being healthy and nurtured inside out. We used to have another name prior to this, but Tierra and Lava came about because of 
the kind of the dual aspect of of nature. Tira, you know, you always think of as being nurturing and stable and fertile and lava which is also part of nature but it's dynamic it's volatile it kind of shows the power of nature and it strikes you with awe and so combining the two things and having that kind of stability and also the volatility which also reminds me of Guatemala in general and nature we get as many storms as we do get food and things like that you know so it's it's that whole kind of concept the fact that Everything we do, the source is basically the earth and nature. And so that's kind of what it's all about. For example, lava in Guatemala, we have, I think it's 34 volcanoes. In Antigua, where we are, we see three. Um, one of them is constantly active. You can see it erupting all the time. So you're always reminded of the fact that nature isn't just um, static. You know, it's, it's there's always something going on. And through that same, the dynamism i i've got lava dust on my computer just from sitting here <laughs> um from fuego right now and you know from that same effect from lava soil is also very fertile so it's that kind of yin yang if you like of nature it is it's it's dramatically beautiful here and that is one of the reasons that we know that there's a huge fascination with this region people are always seem to be dying to know more and it's a pretty special pr place to bring some very unique ingredients from tell me about how tiara and lava came into existence tell me about building your business i always think of tiara and lava as a kind of culmination of all the things that are kind of meaningful to me and that inspire me in my life. And I remember feeling when I first made my first batch of soap and started in that vein, that I'd kind of hit my groove, that I was in the right place and doing what I'm supposed to be doing. The most meaningful things to me in my life are basically people, the relationships that I can cultivate and that I have very deep relationships, ancient cultures and, and traditions that really fascinate me, the mysticism and, and kind of magic almost of rituals and Mayan ceremonies. And of course, all the natural resources that go into these, not just the plants and things, but also things like the lava rock, you know, that that's around us all the time and that's a natural resource and perhaps hasn't been used in skincare before, but has scientifically proven benefits for different types of things. So through all of this, these different types of things and through working in the tourism industry and meeting a lot of local people who were working with really interesting ingredients, it kind of stimulated all my thoughts about, okay, so this particular ingredient, for example, kapal, has been used in Mayan medicine for centuries. And so what has it been used for? It's been used for back poultices and back pains, but what are the scientific properties? Okay, so it's antifungal, it's antibacterial, all of these types of things. And it's also, of course, used in Mayan ceremonies for purification rituals as incense. So it's putting together all these things and then working with the people in the communities and figuring out, okay, how can we, as a company, create an impact for them as well. How can we make this into more of a business? In the same example with the Kapal, it's not a revenue stream that they have right now because they mostly work with Shatter, for example, but they have so many Kapal trees and there are so many women who are looking for other revenue streams that could perhaps pay even more than Shatter that it could be a really high impact. Your excitement about working with the ingredients is super palpable. 
I, um, I've heard you say before that, you know, your favorite part is the discovery of the ingredients. And I know if I left you alone in your workshop all day with your, <laughs> to play with your ingredients, that you'd be very happy about that. So how do you, how do you keep going? How has it been for you to put this organization together to bring these ingredients to the rest of the world in your formulas? What do you do to keep yourself motivated? Well, sometimes to keep motivated or to be inspired, I just have to take, because at the moment <clears throat> where we are, and like you say, Maria, especially working and with the pandemic and all the impact that's had or the effects that's had on the business in terms of growth, what keeps me going right now is the idea that we can still keep growing, that there is still a market. And not only that, but the market with the conscious consumer is actually growing. So there is a possibility and there are people that actually care about what we're doing the types of products we're making, the types of communities that we're working with, and transparency throughout the supply chain. And when all the <laughs> systems and parts of the structural business side of it get a little too much, I kind of do retreat into my lab and kind of go and do something or play with some plants. <laughs> Because I all go and talk to one of our suppliers because ultimately that's what inspires me and without that it becomes mundane. The way it is at the minute and the way I see Tara and Lavid, it, it isn't like a it's not a job. It's um it's me being lucky enough to find something that means a lot to me, that inspires me all the time. So it's 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 fun. And of course not all parts of the organization and structuring it and growing it are fun, but that kind of keeps me going. It is actually an interesting time with COVID because the flip side of that is, although people are having to stay home, I think they're really looking at their priorities, their relationships, and all the things around them, how they buy them. And there's been a lot of news about the world stopping and the environment reinvigorating itself. And so you're watching more and more people decide to be conscious consumers. So I think it's a really special and interesting time to enter the market. Now, I wanted to ask you, what what would you like Tiara and Lava's legacy to be? I think we should give this question 10 minutes because I've heard you answer before and your dreams are big with um, spas attached. It's funny, someone will ask us what our, what our mission and vision are. You know, oh, well, we're gonna make X amount of money and no, not Lucy. She's immediately talking about, you know, the impact we're gonna have and bringing that fabulous natural luxury to everyone. So Lucy, tell me what you'd like your legacy to be. Well, first off, um, and I know we've talked about this together, Maria as well, but I want the company to be successful enough, obviously a global company so that it can be employee owned. Uh, like that is a real driver to me, I think. And it makes a big difference to the people that are involved, having stakeholders who actually own a part of it. My personal vision is that I personally will be doing a lot more traveling, visiting suppliers, um, doing different community projects with them, finding new ingredients and talking about them and making new products, right? And also I would really love to have flagship destination kind of spa retreats with a bit of everything. So actually having Tierra and Lava, full spas with the labs attached and workshop areas where our different artisans and suppliers can come and showcase their different um, ingredients and raw materials that they work with and be telling their stories. We can have retreats, have like whole garden and do tours with that, all of that kind of thing, as you know, anyway. 
and yes ultimately to put Guatemala on the map in terms of beauty and for Guatemalans to be really proud of Tierra and Lava as a business you know to be able to say oh Tierra and Lava that's a Guatemalan business you know and to be really proud of that. Lucy tell me so so far so we're on this path to your dream of an employee-owned organization with a chain of spas which would be Amazing. What are some moments along the way that you felt that, okay, we're going to do this. We're on the way to success. Tell me about, you said that someday you'd like all Guatemalans to feel proud of the business. What makes you proud? What makes me proud? One of the first things I could say, and this isn't necessarily in terms of business success, but in terms of like the people and the stories. I remember when I was, um, when I first met Don Max and he told me his story and he was proud, not just of the, the impact or he wasn't even as excited about the impact that we could make in terms of economics and things in his community as he was to, as he was proud to talk about the salt and the tradition to get that story out. And it just made me realize how important it was as well to be able to kind of give a voice to those stories and to be able to get them out. I, I, I just think they're so fascinating and so interesting and they form such an integral kind of part of the fabric that that was I guess one of like my first key drivers in terms of really getting the stories out. To say a little bit more about Don Mac, sacred Mayan black salt in the highlands of Guatemala, which is a very poor area. If you can imagine years ago, a, a thriving tourist industry that would come up for the thermal pools that dried up over the years and this ingredient has been somewhat ignored. And the process to make this salt, to dry it, to boil it in the handmade clay pots that he does this work is a, a couple of days and, and, and baking the salt in the sun and then in the pots for 10 hours and so on. All of his younger generation is looking at him like, I, I that's just way too much time and energy. But if we could really reinvigorate this particular ingredient, we could really change the economics of this particular region. Um, so there's some exciting opportunities in things that are ingredients that are literally lying on the on the earth of, of Guatemala that we could help bring to life. And that's definitely something that we'd like to do. And then in terms of success and business and things like that, getting our fair trade certification after a year and a half of, <laughs> I mean, obviously there was the pandemic as well. And we always knew it was coming because it was kind of, it was a process and we knew we had all the things in the right places and they told us so, but it was just such a dragged out process. But when we finally got it and finally say, yay, we've got it, that was, that was an awesome experience because for me personally anyway, having that particular certification was more important than having something like organic or something like that because ultimately almost any product can be made organic. I mean, you can buy anything you want from Amazon that says organic, organic coconut oil, organic this, whatever. But to actually have something that's fair trade because it's sourced and we have that transparency and to kind of have that validation was a huge step for me. And actually, um, I'll just add on to that story a little bit because we had to make some dramatic decisions. Um, in order, we wanted to have some new branding and we wanted to print these biodegradable tubes for deodorant and we had to print them and we wanted to print them <laughs> with, the, with the fair trade logo on it 
we knew we were going to get it by the way that we're run. We were a hundred percent sure we were going to get it. And so we had to make a decision to print over a thousand tubes before we'd actually gotten the word that we were going to get them. And we we're like, okay, we're going to take this risk because we know we're going to get it. Um, and so as a very small business, those are some of the trade-offs that you have to make is saying, you know, I know that's what we are. And, and I can't imagine them saying we're not fair trade. That is really the soul of our business is to work with these, with these small family farms. So Lucy, also tell me some of your challenges. What what keeps you awake at night? <laughs> one of my biggest kind of, well, one of the things that keeps me up the most at the moment is logistics. And I'm sure this is true of any um, other entrepreneur who's trying to get products out of one country and into another, especially from kind of like a third world country into a first world country, but it's, such a painful process. It's two steps forward, one step back. I keep thinking we have it nailed down and then it's not. And the fact that we're kind of in that kind of limbo place where we're just not quite big enough to sign on with a big kind of 3PL company. And so we have to find other ways to make it work. Yeah, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And it's probably been the most one of the most painful <laughs> i mean there's a lot of different painful processes but one of the most painful and most difficult and where it shows vulnerabilities you know especially on the human side because relying on people as opposed to companies obviously comes with different things one of for example one of our the first fulfillment people we were working with got covid and had to recover and of course there was no plan B. Um, so that was an issue getting products from the US to Guatemala. I mean, to from Guatemala to the US, sorry, I'm trying like three different shipping companies to see what the differences are and where the holdups are and the bottlenecks. There's a lot of things there. Even the mail going the other way. I'm hard pressed to order something. It, it, it's still, you would think that in the year 2020, that would be different, but there's always a, maybe a 20% chance that you you won't see that package. So so this is this is really an issue and for also us. the fact, Maria, that there isn't actually a functioning national post office here. I mean, everything yeah. that gets sent here has to get sent by courier, you know, there is literally, and my mom, it blows my, her, my mom's mind and she just can't compute that, there is no national post office service here. International, <laughs> it's not. Actually, it keeps going on and off that there is or isn't. But for those of us living here, you just have to think that there isn't. Yeah, it, yeah, it sounds ridiculous, but it's interesting because what that means is that private, private businesses have just taken on that role that government usually plays. And you can see that playing out even in places like the United States where you know Amazon is more reliable than the US post office. So it's it's not yeah, you you can imagine how that would go. However, we have begun to find artists and businesses that are large enough and do have enough volume coming out of Guatemala that they do find reliable shipping partners with businesses. So the more we grow, the more stable our shipping becomes. So Lucy, tell me if there were no 
monetary restraints on Tierra and Lava. And I'm going to answer part of this question for you. What would you do that would be completely unreasonable? Um, I would I would do two things, actually, and then I'd love to hear what you do. Um, I would gift our product to any Instagram influencer that ever touched the words conscious consumer or sustainability right now, just all of them. I would want them to have it. And there are, there are many of them. And the other thing I would do to, to alleviate consumers' concerns, I think consumers are really confused over certification. There are many, many certifications for cosmetics. There are many about fair trade. There's many about sustainability. And there's always a new thing of the day. There's three that are popular right now, and next year it's something else. And they, they for a small business, they cost somewhere between, say, one and $10,000 a pop. I, if we had no monetary restraints, I would apply for all of them because I know we would get them. We're that kind of a business. So those are the two things that I would do is really alleviate uh, consumers' concerns and get it out to everybody who's remotely interested in it because I'm, I'm confident that they'll fall in love. So are there things that you would like to do to add to that um, wish list of being unreasonable with no monetary restraints? So I think kind of answered that a little bit talking about the whole <laughs> tear and lava spas and community projects and all of those types of things also just having a lot more money to spend in marketing in the right areas like you kind of touched upon with the influences and things like that but just in general to be able to get awareness of the products and get enough people all the people who would be interested if they actually knew about it to try it and yeah, to follow the story. I've just thought of two more. Um, one, I would help grow our artisans beyond our capacity to do so right now. So for example, our capacity to help our honeybee supplier triple his hives, we can do that. But certifying all of our 65 individual suppliers as organic, which is a concern in the US, is super, super challenging because they're so small. But giving them that, that education and doing that and helping them really grow their businesses with business support would be amazing. And the other thing I would do is create a platform for conscious consumers that's a, a known this is where you go. I feel this world is very fractured right now about where people get their information about ethical products. And so it would be nice if there was the Amazon of conscious consumption. I see several people trying to grow it, including the platform that we're actually on, with it, which is Earth Hero. Their tagline is sustainability made simple. They're trying to really help people understand what is sustainability, but I'd love to see that world, you know, if there was a TV channel, the CNN of sustainability. Um, <laughs> those are those are my dreams if money was no object to organize this world so that if I wanted a belt, I'd know to look there. If I wanted to give a gift of uh, a tablecloth or something like that, really going to one place to be a conscious consumer with with trust would be something special. So Lucy, any anything else that you'd like to add or that you'd like people to know about Tierra and Lava? No, I don't think so off the top of my head right now. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add? I, sometimes it's interesting to like the like the fair trade 
uh, issue that we talked about before. I just feel so obvious to me that um, Tierra and Love is authentic and grounded um, and comes from the right place. There's many products being sold right now that are natural. There's uh, more products on the market that are in sustainable packaging, but really to experience the specialness of this region of Central America, of Guatemala and Belize, I hope that we can offer anyone who wants it that special opportunity. And I just wanted to add as well something that what I do want is for Tierra and Lava to actually be an example of how a social enterprise and a social business is not only possible, but also profitable and really the only way that we can all kind of thrive together. That's true. All businesses should be social businesses. Yes. Thank you, Lucy. Many thanks for listening to this episode of the Social Impact Pulse. We hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, do check out our accompanying animation created especially for this episode. The Social Impact Pulse is a project of the Artisan Gateway and soon to be launched, Their Stories Be Told.